Blog Talk Radio. time with Pastor Steph. Lines. 
Now, our big story for yesterday, let's talk about it Tuesday. Oh, the former Jehovah Witness elder who uh, allowed his daughter to be molested by a church member who was a sexual miscreant. And he says he didn't do anything because he was indoctrinated by the religion. Uh, He was told and encouraged not to report it. And the elders asked him, do you really want to bring reproach on Jehovah's name? Now, you know, we hear all the time that ministry starts at home. So how in the world do you allow your child to be uh, molested and not do anything about it? Well, his silence, unfortunately, allowed four other young people to also be molested. And that's when he decided that he could not take it any longer, and he left the church. But this was many years later, many, many, many years later. And, you know, can you imagine how the daughter must have felt after she was, you know, molested and nobody did anything? Not her father? Well, I got a question. Where was Mama? Where was the mother? Because if the father was so indoctrinated by the religion, well, what was she? She was indoctrinated as well? Because I tell you, it it, 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 it couldn't be one of mine. Because, see, we all would have been going down. All would have been going down. You know, that brought us to our previous week's conversation about, you know, what are we doing, you know, when we go up in these churches and we, you know, are listening to the the preaching and the teaching? I mean, does it dumbify us, mummify us, numbify us that we don't even care for our own families to this degree? You know, you've heard for years people say, you know, the the father um, was a pastor and, um, you know, they didn't pay their family much attention because they were always at the church and, you know, always putting the, the church people first and, you know, they really didn't know who the father or, you know, the husband was during that, you know, during that time. You know, he was the the leader of the church. And, I mean, but, I mean, are we this negligent? But listen, I'm sure greater things have happened. I just haven't come across the story yet. But I tell you, this was a hard pill to swallow because we had just gotten finished talking about, you know, you you go up in these churches and you then you do what? Do you really become oblivious to the things that are being done in the church because you haven't read the Bible for yourself? 
You haven't read the Bible for yourself, so therefore, you know, you don't know what to do. You don't know, you know, what what answers there are to certain questions. And, you know, the, nobody encourages you to read because they want you to become dumbified and mummified, you know, and just become a follower and someone who is oblivious to what, you know, the Lord has to say about things. But I tell you, like I said, you know, this one here, this one here was was a bit much for me. And again, you know, later it says that when he got some elevation um, within the church, I guess that's when he was privy, you know, to other information and other occurrences in the church and you know he then found out that some other children had been molested and and he realized at that point what his silence had done not only was his daughter a victim but others were victims well I mean let let the truth be told who's to say that she was the first you know she could have been you know number 10 for all we know and and here is the cake topper. He was a known sex offender. Now, is that really a sick part? Because we talked about what would happen if the sex offender came to your church and you were the leader. How would worship go? <laughs> I mean, are we going to sit there and, you know, just every man for himself? You know, are you not going to keep an eye on him? Well, the pastors uh, did have some interesting remedy, you know, to allowing, you know, the uh, the sexual offender, predator in the church, you know, because who are we to let him you know, to keep him or her out. You know, we were saved from our sins. And, you know, to us, you know, there's a gradation of sin. You know, there's one sin worse than the other sin. But to God, we're all dirty, filthy rags. And a sin is a sin. So, you know, you can't keep them out the church, but you sure better keep an eye on them or her. So that these type of things don't happen. And that's my question. Well, uh, if you knew he was a sex offender, who let him alone with the children? So I don't know. I don't know. Just this gross level of negligence. And a whole lot of unanswered questions. Yeah, at least for me. At least for me. There's too many question marks. Too many question marks. So uh, that's how we spent our Tuesday. Okay? All right. Well, today is Wow Wednesday. And you know how we do it over here. What is due time with Pastor Steph? Uh, We don't struggle through this day. You know, it's not hump day to us. It's Wow Wednesday, and the ladies hold it down 
and we are, you know, enjoying our midweek service. Oh, did I just say that? I sure did. We enjoy our midweek service, and we're looking forward to having a wonderful morning. So uh, go grab that healthy breakfast. Go tell somebody that It's Due Time with Pastor Steph is on. And whatever you do, don't go anywhere because we'll be right back. Irritable bowel syndrome uh, can affect women more than men, although men do have it. Symptoms would include a pattern of altered bowel habits like diarrhea, constipation, abdominal bloating, abdominal pain, abdominal cramping, gas, a sense of incomplete evacuation, and a combination of all of the above. In addition, it occurs over a certain amount of time and that's what qualifies it as being irritable bowel syndrome. Oftentimes people can have an incidence of diarrhea or constipation episodically, but if we start to see a pattern where this is a regular phenomenon that someone is experiencing, then they should seek medical attention for that. You shouldn't be afraid to seek any medical attention for those symptoms. Oftentimes there are treatments we can give patients that will make them feel better. So don't be afraid to come and talk to us. again. Welcome back to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. And it is Wow Wednesday. A lot to give God thanks for as we are are into the middle of the week. He has been so gracious to usher us into the middle of the week. And, uh, you know, we we get the morning going with the ladies on Wednesdays. So we uh, celebrate God this morning as we walk hand in hand through this morning. All righty. All righty. So let's say good morning to our girl Vivian. And uh, as we get our socially conscious segment this morning, Good morning, Viv. Good morning. Happy Wednesday. How are you, Pastor Steph? I am well. Thank you, Vivian. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Good, good. What you got for us this morning? All right. Today on Socially Conscious, we are starting off with some updates with a name we have not heard in the news for a while, and that is Ahmad Arbery. Excuse me. 
So I like to look his name up every once in a while and see what's going on with the people who, you know, murdered him and had some dealings to do with his death and things like that. So I came across an article that says that the three men responsible for the murder of Mr. Arbery, that is Travis McMichael, his father, Gregory McMichael, and their neighbor, William Roddy Bryan, um, are apparently appealing their federal hate crime convictions, with two of the three arguing that the government did not prove they classed the young man because of his race. The father, McMichaels, and neighbor Brian are challenging whether prosecutors proved that the men acted the way they did because of Arbery's race and color. Travis McMichael's appeal and um, is focusing on more technical matters to do with his convictions on attempted kidnapping and weapons use charges. Um, and the really interesting part was this quote their attorney gave that he's saying that there is simply no sufficient evidence in the record to suggest Brian would have acted any differently on the day in question had Arbery been white, Hispanic, Asian, or other. The attorney wrote, quote, every crime committed against an African-American is not a hate crime. Every crime committed against an African-American by a man who has used racist language in the past is not a hate crime, end quote. And I just think that this is a complete mess and waste of time, especially with, uh, you know, the, the previous story that we told with the young man who rang the wrong doorbell and how they're trying to use these technical words and things to get out of this racist thing. So this is just bad timing, maybe good timing for some, but bad timing in general. This is just opening up doors for um, just a lot of nonsense to go on with Andrew Lester. And in my opinion, again, just a complete waste of the court's time. But yeah, they're appealing those things, trying to get out of it. It's been three years or going on three years since they murdered this man for no reason, and they're still, still trying to get out of it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Our next story, we're getting a bit of deja vu here with the U.S. Olympic long jumper, Tara Davis Woodhall. She's in the headlines after she served a one-month suspension and had her national title stripped from her after testing positive for marijuana. So reports remind us that there was a fair amount of debate about whether marijuana should be on the banned list after the U.S. Olympic trials in 2021 when Shakara Richardson had her title stripped away and she was banned from the Olympics due to a positive test result of marijuana as well. So as of right now, marijuana is still banned, although they have increased the threshold as they say, some athletes do use it for medical purposes. But again, as of right now, the world, the world, excuse me, World Anti-Doping Agency still classifies marijuana as a substance of abuse. And yet again, someone on our side of the fence is getting caught up with this stuff. 
But my thought is just how harsh can they really be when the government is legalizing it all over the place and opening up all these weed shops now across the nation. So how strict can you really be when you're just making it open for everybody? But that was just a quick story that I came across. Another, you know, one of our people should be trying to do great things and still getting caught up with these silly things that's going on. Uh, Next, we have another copycat story where a house painter was shot after knocking on the wrong door. Reports say Brian Castillo was just trying to do his job when he arrived at a second-floor apartment in North Carolina to repair and repaint a kitchen that was damaged by water leaks. The tenant inside shot him in the chest and told police he thought the man was trying to break into his home. Brian later learned he should have been sent to the first floor instead of the second floor. Brian said he was doing his maintenance job And the only things he was holding was a paint roller and a brush. And he just wonders, how could I kill someone with this? He says that the man just grabbed the gun and shot him without mercy. And they're saying that prosecutors declined to file charges against the tenant, saying he believes Castillo was a burglar, and thus he is covered by the stand your ground laws. And I think this is definitely getting out of hand. Thank God he survived this attempt at his life as well. But let's just hope that with all these stories coming out and all these claims to stand your ground, that they really start taking a look at this law and start making some changes and removing this because it's just getting ridiculous. This is like the third one now. It's just just becoming too much. But maybe it's all for a purpose. For our next story... I was trying to figure out how to open this story up, but I ain't got nothing. (laughs) So let's just get straight to it. A 12-year-old girl made headlines after she stole her father's car and drove over 400 miles with a friend to meet up with a person she met online. Reports say a missing child alert was issued Thursday morning for the 12-year-old and her 14-year-old friend after the girls were last seen in their hometown, Lake Butler, Florida. They say the girls ultimately saw themselves on TV and a missing children's alert at a gas station in Alabama, and so they turned themselves in to local authorities. They say it is not clear who or how old the person they were um, on their way to meet is, Um, but the matter has been turned over to the FBI for investigation. So this was almost our wild story, but our wild story of the week, which is a listener-submitted story, is of an unhinged brute with a long rap sheet who was caught on video whacking a NYPD officer in the head with a bottle and told the cops that, quote, God told him to do this, end quote. So Jose Garcia, 45, was caught on security camera walking up behind a uniformed female officer as she stood on a busy sidewalk at 231st Street and Broadway, on Monday afternoon, 
He suddenly lashes out as he walks by, hitting her in the back of the head and then continuing to go after both her and her partner, who, let me tell you, the partner was definitely slacking as they stood there on this busy street, on duty. He was standing beside her, scrolling through his phone, not paying attention. So I bet after this incident he'll be more alert. But police say Mr. Garcia allegedly ranted to officers after his arrest that God had told him to do this and that there were, quote, people in his house and no one did anything, end quote. They say he was arrested and charged with assault, obstruction of government administration, resisting arrest, menacing, criminal possession of a weapon, and harassment. Uh, They say Mr. Garcia has 11 previous arrests, many of which appear to stem from what is, in my opinion, an obvious mental issue. So I'm not sure which one should have been the wow story of the week. I guess y'all can decide which one is more wow-worthy. But this has been Vivian with Socially Conscious, giving you the news that we are following. And remember, if you have any wow stories you would like to submit, please feel free to direct message me on Facebook. My username there is Vivian BM. And come back every Wednesday to find out if your story has been chosen. Thank you, as always, to our loyal listeners. And thank you, Pastor Steph. Uh, thank you, Vivian. Ooh, stories, stories, and more stories. Thank you so much. I think I got all the information, but please hang around just in case we need some clarification, please. Yes, and we ma'am. pray you have a blessed day. Thank you. You as well. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, here we are. Here we are with our news. Let's speak to the ladies. Let's say good morning to our Elder Nitisha. Good morning, Elder Nitisha. Good morning. Good morning. Happy to be on. Happy to hear your voice and speak to Alyssa. How are you today? I am well, thank you. Happy to have you on with us this morning. And uh, I pray you're doing well. I am doing well, thank you. Good, good, very good. Wow, we start this morning with old news that they seem to continue to make current news as the three men responsible for the Ahmad Arbery um, murder, <laughs> that's what we need to call it, um, right. appealing their hate crime conviction. And they're saying that, you know, hey, there's been no sufficient evidence that showed that they acted, you know, because of race and, you know, people who say racial things, (laughs) you know, pretty much that they are not necessarily racist. Really, are we utilizing precious money for this issue here? What's your thought? My thought is, if it walks like a cow, if it moves like a cow, is it not a cow? (laughs) Like, you know, the fact that you have this history 
of racism, utilizing race, racial language slurs, that would indicate that you are of a, a, a particular mindset as it pertains to a people. And so own it. If, like, if this, this is what you feel, like, the only reason why now you want to try to find loopholes is because you're a coward. Which you were a coward to begin with when you thought it was okay to take the life of someone based on their ethnicity or the color of their skin. So you 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 already that you were already a coward, but now you're proving yourself more so to be a coward in that you're not able to stand by your your your, your thoughts concerning us. And now you want to try to find loopholes because it threatens your life. No, that man's life is no more. And the fact that his life is no more means that your life ought to be impacted by it. And so mm-hmm. the fact that there is an attorney, and, you know, our hope is that, the, you know, that they don't get their day in court with this appeal and that it's that the original um, verdict stands. All righty. All righty. Oh, we're off to a hot. Start this morning. Let's say good morning to our lady Tamika. Good morning, Lady Tamika. Good morning. Happy Wednesday. I am happy to be on, happy to be with our listeners, our ladies, la di da and everybody. <laughs> good morning, good morning, good morning. How are you? I am doing well. How are you today? I'm glad to hear. I'm doing very well, thank you. Doing very well. You know, this has been an ongoing story. As a matter of fact, this Ahmad Arbery story is one of the very first stories Vivian brought to us under this socially conscious segment oh, three years ago, pretty much. And here we are, three years later, Still talking about it, even though you've been convicted. You had your time in court. And now, you know, we're trying to find uh, this way out to say, you know, everybody ain't a racist. I don't care what it sounds like. But what say you? Should they have this appeal opportunity? I want them to. Get in whatever vehicle they can or walk or whatever they need to go. Go all the way to Yankee Stadium. Take one seat. Get up. Take another seat. Take as many seats as they possibly can because this is outrageous. This absolutely makes no sense. Um, you know, it, it, the thing that gets me is that it annoys me in that you are serving your time. And instead of just doing your time, you're trying to tweak the system so that you can find a way to wiggle out of the damage that you have done, you know, okay, fine. You say that, you know, people that say certain things um, are not racist. You already um, made it clear that you were racist when you followed this man unprovoked. You know, that's not something, that's not normal behavior for anybody, you know, and then you continue to pursue him, you know, and you took his life. That's, and that, then afterwards, it's, oh, well, you know, uh, uh, let's look at it a different way, you know. And, and the sad part about the system is that once you break a little portion of it, then you can make it crumble. And I feel exactly like Elder um, Natisha in that you shouldn't get anything for that, you know. And, and 
you're wasting hours of the court's time. There's other things that they could definitely be prosecuting than, than this situation here. There's, there's something else that can be done effectively and efficiently than this. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Let's say good morning to our minister, Michelle. Good morning, Minister Michelle. Good morning, good morning. Well, so How happy. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm well, thank you. So happy to have you back with us after your uh, little bout of illness, thank God. And, uh, yes, I'm happy to be back. And I missed you guys. I missed talking. It was, um, thank God, I'm back on my feet. <laughs> God is thank good. God, thank God. He sure is good. Oh, all right now. You know, it, it's <laughs> fine when we're committing these crimes, but now that we have to face, you know, the uh, music, for what we've done Now we're trying to find an out You know it, it really wasn't what It looked like Minister Michelle And you know I know he was murdered But it ain't got nothing to do with race What say you? Oh my lord I am so tired Of this Ongoing Atrocities that these Racist people keep Perpetrating mm-hmm. And the thing about it is that they're so bold with all their rhetoric and saying the things that they say. And at the time that they pick a victim, they're bold and to kill them or maim or whatever they're going to do. And they're bold about it. But then once their hand has been caught in that cookie jar and now they're paying the price, oh, all of a sudden they want to retreat. Have that same boldness that you had when you killed that person have that same boldness now and sit there and take the time and do the time. You know, I'm just tired. You're a coward. You know, own your stuff. You out there speaking it. You're out there saying what we are, you know, what black people are, whoever. And so own what you did. You know, yeah, I'm racist. Yeah, I murdered them. Yeah, own it. I would have more respect for that than to now come back and say, oh, no, you know, and try to appeal and go through the system and try to work the system to get on out. No, no, no. Stay with what you did and just reap the consequences behind it because this is you was the big bad man on the other side of the gun terrorizing this young man. So now you own it and sit in it. That's all. And there should be not one appeal that goes forth for for them, not one. So that's my stance. I have no sympathy whatsoever. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, they get no sympathy from this panel. That's for show. They get no sympathy. And, and I agree with you, ladies. You know, you all macho, big and bad. You know, you got your gun. Let your gun speak for you back then. Now, you know, as they used to say, if you can't do the time, don't do the crime. But there was mm-hmm. this anticipation that they were going to get off. There was this anticipation that they were not going to have to suffer any level of penalty. And now that they are behind bars, and it looked like they ain't getting out no time soon, and being behind bars for this particular crime is probably hell for them. Because now you got to deal with everybody else on the inside. So, yeah, 
that, that this is what this is probably coming from, and now you're getting to see the cowards that they are. So, oh, well, I say eat it, too. Eat it. You big and bad, handle it. I agree. <laughs> All righty. This conversation has come up before, and we're talking about the long jumper who was banned because of her weed usage. You know, back in the day we had uh, Ms. Richardson who was banned, and, you know, she uh, was chatting and responded to it. But, you know, the, the biggest issue here is you've legalized this weed. So now, you know, the thought is, well, how do you make these people pay for being caught under the influence, if you will, when it's legal? Oh, Lady Tamika, should this be allowed in the Olympic world? You know, I saw all of this coming. You know, when when it first started out, there was all kinds of well, you know, now you want to backpedal. We we keep you. I keep seeing signs where we're putting the cart before the horse, and we're expecting it to move. Uh, the horse is behind the cart, and how are we going to get this? You know, th- th- this is something else that's affected by that. You legalized it, and now you're telling people, oh well. You can use it, but not in the Olympics. You can do it with this, but you can't do it with that. You know, and so, again, these lines, if, if you're going to use it, then you should have established some type of guideline. You know, the, the, the sad part about it is, you know, now the athletes are feeling, you know, the, the brunt of it. You also have people that use it, like you said, for medicinal purposes. You know, lubricant. You for, for, we're talking about athletes, so bones and joints, and you know, they need lubricating. And sometimes, you know, you can't seem to find it in your normal icy hot or uh, can't think of a, a Bengay and things like that. You know, and so you turn to something that's an extreme, but it does help. You know, and so now you say, okay, you can put it on your skin, but you can't smoke it. You know, you have to find the right <laughs> guidelines for this situation, you know, because it's still weed, whether I put it on my skin or whether I, you know, ingest it or inhale it. Oh, oh, they don't inhale. Inhale. I'm sorry. That was wrong. Um, But, you know, (laughs) this is where we stand. Mm, mm. All righty. Minister Michelle, you know, listen, there's there's a, a, a theory that, you know, yes, you know, we can, uh, we can, legalize this this drug but we got to draw the line here is we're talking about these olympians and you know their usage of this drug should they be allowed to use it because it's legal to use it yeah i understand this but you know i agree with lady tamika how we legalize these things, but then we don't look at sometimes the broader picture of what how it can affect other areas in uh, in, in in life, as as we would say. But I, you know, I do know that people use it for medicinal purposes, and you know they say it helps, and it, you know, they're they're grateful for it, and so for those people, they're benefiting from. 
it being legalized. But then now you have the athletes, the Olympians, and now they're using it. Now I would imagine that they would say that they're using it for medicinal purposes too, I guess. I don't know if they're saying that they're using it for, um, uh, you know, for um, recreational. I don't know. But at the same time, you can't have uh, have it both ways. If we're legalizing it, then they've got to come up with the plan of, well, it's legal, so therefore we're not going to be penalized. Or even don't legalize it, then they will be penalized if they use it. I mean, it's got to be something uh, where it's very defining. Because right now it's ambiguous, and that's not working for anybody, it seems as though. And I don't see how they're going to get around that with it still being ambiguous as it is. So, as they say, either they got to get on the pot or get off. So they got to make some concrete decision as to how they're looking at it for these these athletes. Okay, okay. Elder Latisha, what's your take on this here? Should it be open or should it be shut for the athletes? I mean, you know what? I, I know we're talking about, right, um, the onus, placing the onus on those who are kind of making these policies about banning or, or, or not banning. But I also want to just put the onus on us for a moment. Like, we still live in a white America. The, the writing is on the wall. It is all around us. We continue to see um, all type of racist activity take place here in America and so we can't get lackadaisical in our efforts. It has always been that the black man has had to be 10 steps higher, 10 steps better um, mm-hmm. in whatever we do because they would try to reduce us or to ban us or to keep us from progress. And so that still needs to be a focus. I don't know why we've become so lackadaisical. I mean, um, you know, the banning of um, illicit substance is not new to the Olympics. It's the same where uh, athletes were never allowed to utilize steroids and things of that nature. And so now we are adding, you know, uh, weed to the mix. Now, there is a difference between the two because the banning for steroids was supposed to be based on its enhancement to their uh, productivity. And so it would give them an unfair advantage. Um, Weed, I don't know what weed does that would cause, you know, an enhancement to their performance. Um, I think, you know, it's more so, like Lady Tamika said, about being able to kind of numb some of the um, the muscles and joints and things of that nature, which could potentially enhance, right? I guess it can enhance your performance if it's successful, child. I don't know. But I know that as a people, we can't get lackadaisical. We can't get lackadaisical. We can point at them and say, this is not right. This is not fair. You need to do better. Where are the laws? Where are the rules? This is unjust. We can do all of that. But all of America is that. It's unfair. It's unjust. We just talked about, you know, it's always in the news, the unjust and the injustice that plagues our people. So as athletes, when we are performing in the workplace, corporate America, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we cannot act as though we are going to be treated equal because we're not. So we cannot be lackadaisical. As an athlete girl, y'all were supposed to know. Where was her village to help her to understand? You ain't. You can't use weed. I don't care 
if Sally over there, Susie, is using weed, you can't. Period. Mm. All right now. All right. Uh, that's my take, to be honest. You know, I, I, I remember doing the, I think her name is Shakari Richardson story, and, you know, she was caught using marijuana, and she was banned, and her issue was, well, I used it because my mother had passed away or my mother was sick, one of the two. And, you know, that was her go-to, you know, for, you know, to, to get away. You know, she didn't claim, she never claimed it was used for um, medicinal purposes. But at the end of the day, she used it. And my feeling is, okay, so it, I, I agree 100%. I saw this coming. It, this was brought up on the broadcast. We all, you know, said at one point or another. They didn't think this thing through as far as, okay, we legalize it, but because we also talked about driving, you know, so now you don't want them driving impaired, but you just legalize this, so how could you prevent that from happening? So we, we know that most times things are not thought out thoroughly. Um, however, when we go learn that we can't do what everybody else is doing, <laughs> they're going to snag us every time for the things that everybody else gets away with. And it's like, okay, I need to focus on Stephanie. I need to focus on if I'm caught, what is this going to do to my chances of continuing to be an Olympian? Am I going to continue to take these chances and then I'm going to yell, it ain't fair. Well, life ain't fair. It ain't never been fair for black people, or people on our side of the fence, as I like to say. And I, I think that we don't think it through. We see how they don't think it through, and we continually walk into this snare all the time. All right, so, you know, you got this issue of, you know, they're using it. Some people use it for medicinal purposes. Listen, I live in pain. I would love to know if weed would help Stephanie with her fibromyalgia. However, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to have to trust God because I ain't going to the drug to, to, to help this. I can't speak for an athlete. I live in pain. So I'm, I'm thinking about an athlete who, you know, they didn't work their body. Maybe they had an injury and maybe this medicinal weed would help them. But that's not street weed. So that's another thing that I'm trying to figure out. At one point, when they started with this medicinal weed, you had to have like a card. Didn't you have to have credentials or something like that, ladies? Mm -hmm. You had to have a card from the doctor. Right. That said you that, you know. You still do. Sorry? You still do. In, in certain I aspects, depending so. on what it is that you need, you still do. Right, I thought so. So my thing is, how come this doesn't come into play? If this is a medicinal purpose, you mean to tell me you couldn't take this to the authorities of and the, the powers that be and say, okay, I have medical clearance to use this. So why 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 is this not 
happening? Why is this where people are caught smoking weed or whatever it is, and now this is ambiguous as to whether it's for medicinal purposes or not? It's not the same street weed that's legalized. So I'm, I'm lost. That's where I'm lost. I'm lost as to it's always been a separation between the two, so why can't this separation be established now? That's where my brain is. Stop using it until you get cleared to use it and call it a day. Because when you get caught, your chances are over. Somebody else might slide, but we ain't sliding. We ain't never slid. So let's, 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 let's start waking up. So that's my take on it as well. So, okay, thank you, ladies. <laughs> All right. Now, we have this. <laughs> okay, we're not even going to talk about this house painter shot. Because, again, as I've said during the week, once you start these these things, it's, it's now the poor house painters can't get the, the mm-hmm. job done. People can't go pick up family members. People can't drive up in a, in a driveway by mistake. Now it's all coming to a head. What I do want to actually talk about is the wow story. So you have this individual who was caught on video uh, clocking the NYPD um uh, officer, and while her partner was scrolling through his phone, and he says, the perpetrator says that God told me to do this. Oh, <laughs> uh, Minister Michelle, how do you handle this? Because, you know, God does speak to us. And maybe this, you know, maybe this was a wake-up call. Maybe she was scrolling through her phone also. And now y'all need to wake up. So now God sends everybody to slap you upside the head so you can now wake up and do your job. But, you know, what are we talking about here? You know, the family says that he's a little cuckoo. But uh, what's your thought? Well, (laughs) there's a lot of people that are walking around telling them that God said to do such and such, but... We that are spiritual know that it's the demonic forces that are at loose. So, um, and with people with mental illness, you know, they're to me just an open door for those type of spirits to be used, those spirits to use them to do these types of things. And that's on that side of the spectrum. But then the other sad part is the two officers are standing there. Okay. I would think that if you're on your post and you're standing out in the street like that, that your eyes would be focusing around you. You're surround, You're watching who's walking, who's coming, who's going, because that's why you're on the street patrolling, so that you can be the eyes to see if anything is about to jump off. So I don't know where their heads were, obviously, in the phone, and that's the whole situation. We've gotten phone crazy. We can't be a minute without a phone. But I think for these police officers, this should be a strong wake-up call to watch what they're doing because that young that partner should have never been on the phone, that he did not see what was getting ready to happen to his partner. And the partner, I don't know what she was doing either, that she didn't recognize something that, that this, this guy was looking, lurking around because I'm sure that he was looking strange. You know, when we're, when we're on the streets, I'm watching people, and you can see them when they're walking around their continents. You're looking at them, and you can say, okay, this one, this one's a little off. Let me walk over to this side of the street. So if I, as a 
normal person who has not been trained can see that afar off and take and get on the other side and move out the way. My God, what were these police officers trained for if they can't recognize this is a situation that is about to happen? But, you know, they need to be reprimanded because it was obvious that they were not on guard and doing what they needed to do. And it's unfortunate that that happened to the young lady, but thank God she didn't get killed. But that's a wake-up call for all the little police officers that are walking the streets and they still get on their phones because I've seen them on their phones talking too. And I'm a matter of fact, I walked up to one and was getting ready to ask a question, and they was annoyed that I was asking a question because they were on the phone. So <laughs> this is a strong wake-up call. Okay? Get off the phone and pay oh, attention. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> I tell, yeah, you know, you really can't tell these people one from another, only because they got on a uniform. Uh, Elder Natisha, mm, the Lord said for me to clock you. Wake up call. Yeah, I, I, What's going I, on? Yep, yeah, it's absolutely a wake up call. <laughs> Oops, upside your head. Protect and serve. <laughs> 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 yeah, I believe God told him to do it. Yep, get him, Lord, get him. If he can use a donkey, if he can use a donkey, then he can use the mentally ill too. All right, so yep. officer that you see and beat him in the head. That's what the Lord said. I just, <laughs> I'm just, um, I'm just in awe. Like you, 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 let me ask you before I, before I get to verbalizing, 
This happened in what state? Yeah. Oh, NYPD. Oh, NYPD. So it was New York. Okay. Yeah. It was New York because I thought that there was a guideline that said that if you catch a police officer in their phone, you're supposed to report it. This is why that was established because these are the type of things that happen. New York City is not like some other place where, you know, it's kind of lackadaisical. Even as a citizen that I've been living here the majority of my life, and when I step out, I look. You know, I'm looking across the street. I'm looking, you know, in front of me. You know, I use my peripheral to look behind me. You know, I want to know who's, why, why are you walking so close? Wait, 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 why are you matching my cadence? This is what we do as civilians. And so this was why that rule was established. And then my thing is, what in the world were you watching that made you completely oblivious? Your responsibility is to watch the street and then, of course, cover, cover your partner. You know, so you just that oblivious? What were you watching that had your mind so in tune that you couldn't even see, hey, wait, 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 my partner's not with me. What's going on? You know, and I get it that things happen, you know, because we live in a state that the unpredictable is can happen anytime, any place. But your responsibility is to be out there and watching at all times. You're, you're the guardian of our city, our state, you know, and so, like, we, we are slipping, we are falling behind, you know, um, it seems like now we, we're dealing with the police academies type of people. You know, you just, mm-hmm. just employ anybody because they, they, they have, you know, uh, they're of age, you know, not so much with their requirements, you know. Um, you're just putting them out there, and they're showing themselves as they get out there. You know, and I, again, things happen, but I'm just, you know, I, I keep seeing just everything kind of declining. You know, oh, oh well, you, you meet the age requirements, so we'll put you in, you know, or you tested well. But, you know, a lot of people sometimes, <laughs> you got a whole lot of book sense. No common sense. You know, mm-hmm. um, these are things that we see every day, and it keeps showing over and over. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I think I am in a complete agreement with you, ladies. You know, if one, let me tell you something. If we out here on these streets, like you all have said, even a civilian knows better than to walk and you not have your guard up. You know, you you you, you standing with me. We supposed to be patrolling, and you looking in the phone. I'm reporting you. The public ain't got to report you. I'm reporting you. Because, see, you are of no use to me if you're looking up in the phone. We that bored, we need to, uh, uh, to divert our attention somewhere else, to be scrolling through a phone, or to be on. Because I've seen the the um, officers on a phone. And I'm like, yo, how are we doing all of this? So, like you mm-hmm. said, you know, they're putting not just themselves at risk, but more importantly, the community, because that's who they are there to police and to protect. And you are surely not doing your job if if you are distracted by what's going on with Snapchat, Instagram, and all of this kind of stuff. So, <laughs> you know what, I, I, I hope they did take it as a wake-up call, because, it, it, yeah, that, thank God it wasn't a gun. You know, it could have been someone who pulled out a gun that quickly because that's how these, this, this movement is going on. Before you know it, the, the the incident has already happened. You know, so you really want to take that chance on, on the community being at, at da- you know, in the risk of, at the risk of danger or your lives being at the risk of, you know, danger. No, I don't think that was smart. 
So you know what? Wake up. Wake up, everybody. No more sleeping in bed. No mm-hmm. more backwards thinking. Time for thinking ahead. You know, yeah. We we need to we we need to get ourselves together. We need to get ourselves together. Thank you, ladies, for uh, indulging us in our socially conscious uh, segment. And we've got a a nice little hmm a nice little topic today. I came across, and I wanted to make sure I got the. The title that I use He who is not Or she who has a Godly mother Is not poor And you know It it hit me like that last night When I actually saw This particular um, Article Because you know we, we, We think of Being rich You know all the time as a monetary thing but, you know, God has blessed us with the, you know, uh, ability if we have good mothers or a mother figure that, you know, we, we're rich. We're not poor at all. And a dollar does not necessarily make for a good mother. But we have some components and some characteristics that do define a good mother. And, you know, I, I want to talk about it for a little bit today. And uh, it starts off with a godly mother seeks biblical knowledge. Why is that important, Lady uh, um, Elder Natisha? That a, a godly mother seek biblical knowledge. I think it's definitely important because it's it's one of the ways that we teach our children. We want to teach our children. Um, not by the moral code of this world, but we want to teach them with biblical practical with biblical practice, practices because we want them to be able to stand in a world um, that will deal with them harshly. And so a mother that's able to train her children and rear her children utilizing the word of God sets them up to be able to hand, handle all of the cares of life. Life be life in. And if your children don't have something bigger than this world to, to anchor them, they will surely collapse and be susceptible to all of the things that can happen as a result of life. All righty, all righty. Lady Tamika, you know, moms are filled with wisdom. Moms are filled with knowledge. But a, a godly level of knowledge really sets a different tone in a mother's uh, from a mother's uh, angle. Oh, absolutely! Um, and and here's where that ideal comes into play. Um, I'm going to bring back a topic that we had. We had the mother who was giving up her liver for her child, you know, so that he could be employed by this, you know, company, you know. So (laughs) you're establishing a way for him to get ahead, but there's all kinds of chaos that could transpire. Considering that the liver is the governing agent for your health, you know, you're, you're, you're damaging your health, plus you're also teaching your child, oh, well, 
there are ways to get around. You can, you know, you, you can get by, you know, you can do this, you know, there are certain passes, you know, so that's knowledge. But godly knowledge and godly wisdom is entirely different. You know, it gives you the guidelines, the rules, the path that you can do to keep yourself from ending up in calamities like the one that I just mentioned. You know, health could be an, an, an issue. You know, she could have died at, at, at the surgery table. You know, the, the, the person, the recipient could not have gotten the kidney because it doesn't work, you know, or um, after having the surgery, it could have caused an issue where, that person's health is, is affected. There's all kinds of chaos by getting these, these shortcuts, shortcuts. But when you have godly wisdom and godly guidelines, there are no shortcuts with God. You either do it the right way or you don't do it at all. All righty, all righty. Amen, amen. Uh, Minister Michelle, you know, as a mother, mm-hmm. you know, you've grown in wisdom and knowledge just from just what you've learned on the street, what you've learned from other people, what you've experienced in life, but that biblical knowledge puts you over the top as a mother. Yes, as they say, it puts you head and, head and shoulders above the rest. Um, as a godly mother, being able to build a strong foundation based on the Bible and the biblical principles with your children. If a foundation is weak, you cannot build upon that. It will crumble and absolutely be destroyed at some point. So as a mother that knows God and knows his principles, when we're able to put that inside of our children, we are setting them up for victory. Yes, they will come against certain things and they will rise deep what life brings, but they're coming at it from a perspective that I can conquer and I can accomplish what I need to accomplish because of what my mom taught me about the Word of God and how my mom pointed me into the direction of having a relationship with God. Therefore, I can achieve things that maybe my counterparts have not learned because they don't have an understanding of God and His principles and how he works. So it's very important to me as a mother, a godly mother, to be able to put that in my child. You know, different religions, or I wouldn't want to say religions, but different um, ethnicities, uh, like Italians, different ones, you know, their thing, sometimes they want to give their children a legacy of making sure they have money, making sure they will rise up in that realm, that they will never be broke. And they don't really give them the spiritual. But to me, when you're giving your children that the principles of God, it supersedes all the other because when all else fails, they can always depend on God to deliver and bring them through. So when we're putting that inside of them, they will not be able to, the enemy will not be able to destroy them like, some of their friends might be destroyed or get into things that would ultimately tear them apart. They may stray, but it's something about what you put inside of them. As the Word of God says, they would come. They will come back. They will return. So that's very, very important. That foundation to be laid that way. Amen. 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 It says a godly mother fears the Lord. Why is this the fear of the Lord important, Lady Tamika? 
Ooh, you better reverence the father. <laughs> you better, you know, respect. You know, I, I, I look at things nowadays and like the average respect that there used to be um, for God and the things of God have diminished in such a great way. You know, we've seen uh, individuals go right on the premise and kill themselves. You know, I've seen, you know, I remember back in the day when, you know, cars would be blasting by with their music and they would at least go by the church and turn it down. You know, now they're sitting right on the, on the, on the premises, smoking, drinking, you know, having a party, you know, cussing up a storm, fighting, all kinds of stuff, you know. And so to revere and to reverence God for who he is and for what he can do, he perceives us in all deeds and all acts. And even when nobody, when you think nobody's looking, God sees you. And so it's so important that you fashion your life so that you honor and respect God because he will show himself. You know, um, we've seen many instances where when, when you think, again, that nobody's looking, God is, and he works in your favor simply, you know, and we, we've often said, favor, it ain't fair. <laughs> Just because I continue to reverence God, he will proceed us in our deeds and our actions. Amen, amen, amen. Minister Michelle, you know, a, a godly mother fears God, um, you know that that's that doesn't happen now. There's nothing, there's nothing that indicates that women have the fear of the Lord now. Why is that such an important component? Well, as you know, to fear the Lord, have a reverence, have a holy reverence for Him. That you know, Lord, I don't want to do anything that would be. Uh, would hurt you or cause you to grieve because I'm doing something. And when your children see you that way, and it, I, I've I've tried to be that way with my daughter, with my daughter, is that when she sees, oh, my mother has a reverence for God, there are certain things that she just will not do, even though people may say, oh, it's no big deal, it's no big deal. But for me, I'm reverencing my father. I'm showing him such high regard and high respect. And out of the way that I reverence God, that I can also be respectful to those that are around me, those that I encounter, those that I deal with, because I've learned and understood how I'm reverencing the Father. And he is teaching me how to be that way with other people. And so your children need to understand that this is an, an important character uh um, important for your character as your Christian character to exhibit that and to understand, you know, I love God so much. This is, I love him and reverence him so much. So I just won't do certain things. I just won't go with the back. And if they grow up seeing you doing that, I think, you know, it, they, it will take hold of them and they will follow suit. So it's very important as a mom to show that reverencing to the father and, and let him let your children see. Oh, my mom loves God, and no, she's not afraid of him in the sense of, oh, he's gonna take and beat me down with a belt and punch me in the head. No, but she's reverencing him with that respect and that love, and for her father, and that she won't do anything that's going to uh, disrespect him. So it's very important. Amen, amen, amen. Elder Natisha, 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, a good understanding, and all those who do his remnants. Psalm one eleven ten. How does that filter into your children? Well, the Word of God says in Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if we are to lead our children um, with wisdom, then it begins with the fear of the Lord. It's the fear of the Lord that directs us and instructs us on how to rear our children. And so, you know, I, I think that's also what causes us to make the right decisions concerning them. It causes us to be slowful in just being impulsive when it comes to our children. We are more thoughtful because of the fact that we have to we have to consider that this child belongs to God first, that this, this mm-hmm. child was, was loaned to us, but that this child belongs to God. And so as, you know, my responsibility as a parent actually stems from God and it causes me to be mindful because it, it causes all of us to be thoughtful in how we parent it, the, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All righty. All righty. Ladies. I love this one. A godly mother is content with what she has. Mm. Minister Michelle, why is that so profound for this day and time when we need to set the example for our children, that we're content with what we have? Well, because we're living in a society that everything is so materialistic, it's all about who's got what, who can buy this, who's got designer that, who's the big one on top. We're so, this society is so orientated like that. It's really important for our children to understand, you don't have to get into this rat race and learn how to be content with what God has blessed you with your portion. And, you know, being content doesn't mean that you're complacent. So I'm being content with the fact that right now I'm at level A. But eventually, if I keep uh, striving, I'll get to level B, and then I'll get to level C. But each state that I find myself in, I'm going to be content about. I'm going to rest in that, that I can move to the next level, that I don't have to – beat corners or cheat people or do whatever to get to the next level to, to show I'm all of that, I'm all this. So it is important for your children to see that because they're faced every day with all this competition as to, oh, yeah, do your mother do this for you? Do your family do this for you? And if you're not careful, they get into that and they're never satisfied, never satisfied, never satisfied, never satisfied. And therefore, they don't understand true contentment. As I say, contentment doesn't mean that you're complacent. But it does mean that you can have the ability that, okay, right now I may not be in a two-bedroom apartment, but you know what? I'm going to thank God for this one bedroom, and I'm going to keep it good. I'm going to do everything that I can to preserve and be, a, be um, accepted as my blessing. And then as God uh, elevates me and I'll be able to make more money, then I'll go to the next I'll be able to get a two-bedroom apartment. But no, if you're not careful, when you're not content, able to be content about things, you'll be in that one-bedroom apartment complaining, doing all the things you, and the next thing you know, 
you're doing crooked things because you feel like, well, I got to get some money to get to that two bedroom. And you'll do things to, that are not so kosher just because you're not content. So it's very important for your children to see that. Okay. And life throws us different things. So we have to be prepared and what it throws us to be content in the fact that, okay, I'm, I'm here right now, but it's not going to be always. But for now, I'm here, but I'm going to work it until I get to where I need to be. And it has to, I feel that it has to be shown constantly to your children with what they're being bombarded with. All righty, all righty. You know, Elder and I teach, I'm glad um, Minister Michelle brought up the difference between, you know, being content and being complacent because now, you know, sometimes our, our children, because they have this game on their mind where they just sit down and they don't do anything, uh, they may have a hard time trying to see the difference. What say you, being content versus being complacent? I think being content is um, when you are satisfied with what you have. And, you know, it's it's really just, it's a, it's a posture of gratitude to, to say that, you know what, what I have is what I have for right now. It may, it may change. It doesn't, it doesn't have to stay this way, but this is where we are today. This is where we are now. And so that's the difference I would say between being complacent and content. Um, complacent means that I'm not expecting anything more. Complacent means that I am just, I'm just like not looking forward toward the future. I'm not looking toward uh, the possibilities that there is more for me and that there is, you know, greater for me. And so I think a, a parent being able to teach her, her or his child how to simply Accept what God allows in the moment, but always identifying that there's more, that there was purpose that was designed for their life so that you're not just complacent, but you can be content and grateful and in, in, in gratitude is the posture of just really being, um, you know. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, Lady Tamika. Mm. This contentment is is big for this world now and our young people. And it starts with mom. How? Why? Because when mom starts, mom takes everybody with her. You know, she is the one that gives the guidelines, you know. I, I like to use illustrations. So um, complacent, if, 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 let's just say, uh, you're looking to be elevated. Your mindset, if you're standing in one specific spot and you're looking up, that automatically means that in your mindset you have, okay, fine, I'm here. I'm here right here, and I'm comfortable where I am, but that doesn't mean that I'm just going to sit here and, and stew. You know, I'm going to let those things that happen happen, but in the meantime, I'm still looking upward towards trying to get advancement. Complacent says, well, I'm here, you know. You know, I, I, even when you talk to people, sometimes you say good morning. They say, you know, you ask them, "How's your morning doing? How you doing?" Well, I'm here. I'm okay. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm surviving. 
I'm going to make it. But you know, <laughs> honestly, when they say it, they don't mean anything by it. It's just, oh, I'm here. Uh, it, it, you know, how's the day going? It's a day. What does that mean exactly? You know, it kind of makes me feel like, you. okay, you just see it. You know, and so whatever happens, it happens, you know, and, you know, there's no outward look, there's no upward look, there's no advancement, you're not even enjoying the moment where you're in, you know, fine, you're not at the end of the road, but you're in the middle, you're not in the beginning, you know, and so there's no appreciation for where you are in the mindset that, okay, I'm here today, I'm on step four tomorrow, you know, or, or I'll be at step five, but be at least appreciative for the three that you're at. Mm, wow, wow, wow. Ladies, I saw this one, and I love it. I love it. I love it. A godly mother lives with Christ-like selflessness. Oh, we, Elder <laughs> Natisha, mm, what does that mean? I'm sorry, say that for me one more time. Uh, a godly mother lives with Christ-like selflessness. Uh, absolutely. Unfortunately, I think we do experience many of our children today having a sense of entitlement because that model um, is not set before them. And so I do think that it is imperative that we, you know, have this Christ-like selflessness. Um, it te- that's how we teach the importance of thinking about others, being empathetic. It's how we manage and teach others as it pertains to um, being generous. It's where we are able to teach um, our children how to live a life um, that yields fruit. You know, what we've, what we've learned uh, through our experiences is that thinking about others opens up the door. God blesses the generous ones. God blesses and opens and gives abundantly to those who won't hold it all for themselves. We're called not just for ourselves, but for others. And so when we have that Christ-like selflessness, then we teach our children how to walk in this world aware, protected, but also with compassion and with empathy and with sympathy. All righty, all righty. Oh, Lady Tamika, I really like this one. A godly mother lives with Christ-like selflessness. You don't even hear that anymore. No, you don't, you know, and it is so important that you do teach your children that, you know. I, I've seen situations where, you know, um, Mother is so willing to give child, you know, and child is so receptive in getting until they have absolutely no idea that it's not that they are disregarding the fact that they're supposed to give, but they don't even know it. You know, I'm supposed to get, I'm supposed to get, you know, and then their mindset, that's how they react to other people. You know, (laughs) something as simple as, you know, can I have a, 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 a a potato chip? You know, and, and they're looking at you like, oh, no, I'm not supposed to give you anything. You're supposed to give me, you know. And so there are, there are many things that mom will do, you know, to exhibit those attributes. But you have to teach it as well. You know, there are times when you literally have, no, baby, no, 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 no. Give, give such and such a little bit of your candy. It's okay. 
you know, so, and it starts at young. You don't start when they're, you know, a teenager because at that point they've already fashioned in their mind that I'm supposed to receive all the time. And as they become adults, they become bitter adults or they become, you know, adults that are either trying to scheme by or with that, that, that attitude that I'm supposed to get, I'm supposed to get, you know, it is, it's so imperative that those are the tools that um, are given down, passed down to our children. All righty, all righty. Uh, Minister Michelle, you know, something came to my mind as uh, Lady Tamika was speaking, and then I was like, well, wait a minute. Minister Michelle should be able to speak from this angle. You know, I thought about um, children that are like one, the only child, and (laughs) one of the Mm -hmm. um, challenges sometimes is, you know, when you when you bring your children to play with some, sing, you know, only child children and, you know, they don't share as well, you know, because they don't, they're not in the habit of sharing. They haven't had to share. And sometimes that's a challenge in the room with the group of children. And you'll see the difference between, and it's not necessarily a selfish thing, but I, I, if everything mm-hmm. is always mine, then I may not learn that. How is it important in this particular case to make sure that we're teaching our children? Because that's not going to be a learned behavior. That's going to be a learned behavior that's going to be pretty hard. How do we teach our child to be or to have that Christ-like selflessness? Right. Well, you know, my daughter, she was the only child, so we had that. A um, little challenge with that because you know she grew up was growing up I should say oh I'm used to everything being mine that's my daddy that's my mommy so um I we used to, I used to take care of my grandmother so one of the lessons that I began to teach my daughter about selfishness selflessness was as she watched me take care of my elderly grandmother who had Alzheimer's and she was. Uh, an invalid, so she, you had to feed her to do all these types of things. So around my daughter's around two or three years old, because you know it, it starts young with them being when they are only child that everything is about right. them. So right, I would always let her be in the room with me, and I would feed my grandmother, and then I would feed her, my daughter, and then I would tell my daughter, now you take the spoon and you feed Granny. And she would take and put the food in my grandmother's mouth. And then I'd say, okay, now you can feed yourself. I'll give a little bit to Granny. And so mm. I would take her with these little lessons to show her that she mm-hmm. always needed to share. So she grew up always going in the room, giving her grandmother, her great-grandmother, something, be a little piece of candy. Okay. Or she'd give a little bit of sherbet. And it started to teach her at a young age to share. And then when she started bringing her little friends around, um, a couple of her friends had mothers that weren't where they should be. And so the children would stay with us, especially the young lady, would stay with us all the time. And at first, my daughter would be like, well, this is my mother. I, you can't be on my mother all the time. But then I began to show her, no, she doesn't have the things that you have. God has blessed you. And when you're blessed, you're blessed to be a blessing to somebody else. So you need to bless your friend and let her be able to say mommy to me 
or act, don't let her act to me like I'm her mommy. So I had to teach her these things. So as she grew up, she started to let go of that selfishness and became more selfless. And now she'll give anybody the shirt off her back and she got out of that kind of that only child syndrome. But, you know, you have to, on purpose, teach um, only children because that one only child syndrome is a real thing. So you have to, and they have to see it out of you in order for you to teach it to them. The more that they see you give of yourself and you're teaching them purposefully to give of themselves, they overcome it. So um, I'm happy to say that my daughter got out of that and now she's a giver and she just loves blessing people. (laughs) Okay. Amen. 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 Like I said, I, I, I had children you know, big age group gaps, and it's 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 something that you really have to show them because they do get into that habit of, you know, now it's theirs, it's theirs. So, you know, thank you for those examples, really good um, um, examples as to how we can help them, you know, get into that selflessness mode. I like this one, ladies. I like this one. We're coming down, and I, I really like this one, too. It says, a godly mother lives with unswerving integrity. And that unswerving thing, to me, makes the difference between just saying a godly mother lives with integrity versus a godly mother lives with unswerving integrity. Lady Tamika. Mm, I like this one. I like this one. Yeah, that's that's a really, really good one, you know, um, in that um, it's probably going to come out comical, but I but I actually mean what, what I'm saying. You know, when I said what I said and I meant it, you know, that's what I meant. You know, that means that I'm going to exhibit God, godly acts regardless, you know, and it doesn't matter what you think or how you feel about it. You know, um, I'm not going to take any shortcuts. I'm going to stand for God regardless, you know. And if that means that, you know, maybe I got to, I have to go through it a little bit more, then I'll go through it a little more. You know, a lot of times, sometimes people look at things and, oh, well, it's easier this way or or you can get by this way, you know. But un, un, but standing for God is the most thing. It, it's, it's the most greatest thing, you know. It, it, it presents honor um, to God. And it also shows forth, you know, in your children. Your seed is going to do exactly what you do. And so if you shortcut, they'll shortcut, you know. And, and a lot of times I think sometimes people don't think about it that way, but it is important, you know. Your child is always looking. Even when they look like they're not paying attention or you think they're asleep, they're wide awake and they're seeing everything that you do. Oh, yeah. Oh, Minister Michelle, we've got that unswerving integrity you need to have as a godly mother. That is a really good one. That I love it. And, yes, it's very, very important for uh, your, me as a mom and all of us mothers to have that unswerving. I mean, I mean, that means resolute. You're not moving off of it. And that's important to show to your children because people compromise all the time. Uh, the church people compromise all the time. So even if you're raising your children in church, they can possibly see the compromising in the, in the church and around amongst church people. So they really need to see that from their mom 
so that they get a clear picture, okay, um, no matter what, I'm going to have integrity. No matter what, I'm not going to be um, swayed to be different. I've got to stay on point. I've watched my mother do it. Even if it cost her something, she did it. She mm-hmm. stood her ground on that. So when they grow up seeing that, they're going to latch on to that and become that way as well. And, of course, understanding with God, you can have that unswerving integrity when you have that type of relationship with the Father that he's helping you. You can be that way. So I think that was an excellent one that you chose. And God help us to always continue to be that way. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, we had to um, lose Elder Nitisha, but I want to end on this because this one here, I remember years ago, it hit me really hard. I was covering um, a, a, a huge event, a huge music event, uh, Pastor Ed and I, and we were interviewing um, the different artists, and there was a, a group of brothers, and you know, we were talking to them and you know, in the middle of asking them questions and stuff like that. And I don't know how we got to, I think I must have asked something like, what's your biggest motivator or how did you get started? Something to that point or to that effect or how have you managed to stay in this? Oh, I think that was the question. Like how, you know, they were young, young Hispanic men and they were really nice looking guys well-dressed, well-mannered, well-spoken. And I said to them, I was like, listen, let's let's talk real. You know, you have this um, minority thing. And not only that, but now you got the godly. You know, y'all are not out here. You know, you're singing, but you're not singing secular music. You've really dedicated your lives to singing godly music. You could be doing anything. You know, if we go with the normal flow of, you know, what young men your age, you know, your nationality is doing, you're in gangs, you're dropouts, blah, 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 blah. And I said, what do you think is the glue that holds you together and focused on God? And they said when they used to wake up, when they were children, when they used to wake up, and see their mother on her knees praying for them every morning. Mm -hmm. They woke up every morning seeing their mother praying for them, and they, they would hear what she was saying, and they knew that she was praying for them, and they said they realized that two things happened, that one, they could not let her down, because she was always in a praying stance and mode for their lives, and two, they couldn't let God down because mom had, you know, took taken them to that altar every single morning. And I want to close with this prayer factor. A godly mother prays for her children, and, and we talk about that here all the time um, on the broadcast you know, why is it so important that we pray for our children? And that, you know, that was like over, excuse me, over 10 years ago, but it always stuck with me. And I'll never forget, I started crying. My tears just started coming down, and I had to kind of struggle through the rest of the of the interview. I don't know why it hit me so badly or so hard, 
but that is so crucial. And I'm going to start with you, Lady Tamika, um, on this one. You know, why is that so important? And that was back in 2006. Here we are, almost 2026, and the world has shifted so greatly when it comes to our children. So we really need to be praying over our children as mothers now. And and what do you think uh, about how important this prayer is for your children um, as a godly mother? Ooh, that is so important, you know. As a child who I had, you know, a praying mother, you know, and it was nothing for me to wake up in the middle of the night and, you know, I'm I'm in a good sleep, and all of a sudden I wake up, there's oil slathered on me, and she's coming in the room, and she's, you know, praying, you know, that that, that was my mother, you know. And at the time, as a child, you know, I, I, we, we used to laugh because, you know, she would talk in tongues, so she would come into the room, and she would say something, we didn't know what she was, you know, at the time, so we used to just label, we'd be like, oh, she coming in, she eats the key, and she walked back out, you know, but... um <laughs> We we didn't realize that those were the essence, those were the tools that um, we didn't even, un, unbeknownst to us, that helped us to make it. You know, I wouldn't be here without those prayers, you know. And then that came from a mother who prayed, you know. My grandmother prayed for my mother who prayed for me, you know. And, and, and those things we don't recognize mm-hmm. at the time, they're so crucial, you know, to, to who we are, you know, even – if we think about it, you know, Shirley Caesar has a song. She's part of the song. She goes, I had a praying grandmother, yeah. which lets you mm-hmm. know that that stuff makes a difference. You know, it's like, oh, you, you right. know, and, and we're looking at these children now. They don't have a guideline. They don't have a rule. They mm-hmm. are angry. They're agitated. They're frustrated. I mean, you say one little thing and they go off on a, on a tangent, you know, and, and they don't have any patience, you know, and these are all the things that when she's praying, She's governing you. She's guiding you. She's trying to get your mental state. Your mental falls under the spiritual. So if if your spiritual is not right, then of course That's your right. mental is going to go all kinds of right. curvy. The world yep. is just, you know, because you're advocated. You can't get to where you need. You can't get that solace because it's not there. You don't have the guideline and the rule. And so when mommy prays, Mommy's setting the tone for everything, not just today, but years ahead. When you go to your first job and, and your boss is treating you all kinds of crazy, or when you go to school and your students, you know, other people are doing things and you want to, you know, peer pressure is everywhere. You decide, oh, no, 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 I'm not going with that. I'm not going to do that. Because mm-hmm. of the guidance that you give, there, mm-hmm. there are things that mommy can never say to you, but she tells God, because, look, go, go out and check my child, check my baby. When my baby goes out there, God, you don't let her do, or you don't let her, you know, you won't. You know, it's funny because even as I think about it, as I was growing up, there were things that I just couldn't do. And at the time, mm-hmm. I didn't understand right. why I couldn't right. do it. Right. I couldn't do it right. because God had already governed my life right. and said, uh-uh, no, you, you can't do that. You can't hang with them. Yeah, you can laugh, you know, at a moment. But then after a while, I started seeing a severing. And I was like, I, I don't like what you do. I don't like how right. you act. I can't run with you. And I didn't even know it. But it was literally mommy's prayers that governed my life. So when they say, oh, yeah, you know, I couldn't let God down and I couldn't let mom, mom down, I truly understand it. I didn't recognize it then, but now when I'm speaking, oh, hey. boy, yeah, I couldn't. Uh, 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 uh. Amen, amen. Oh, we in the preacher mode. Okay, girl. 
<laughs> oh, my, 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 my. Amen. Minister Michelle, you have the final word today on, okay. you know, a godly mother prays for her children. <laughs> well, Lady Tamika, I'm going to just pass your offering on that because you didn't said everything I needed to say. <laughs> 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 but I, you know, you were talking. I could see my grandmother. My, I could see my grandmother so clearly, anointing me and all that through the wee hours of the night. And so it's so important because I concur. I would do things, but I couldn't go. But so far, you know, and right. I didn't understand it at the time. But now I know. You know, as you grow older, you understand. And that's something that I feel that every godly mother has to. That's the number one priority. They have to implement that praying, you know, and praying over their children and letting your children see that you pray, letting them see, oh, yeah, my my mom prays, honey, you know. And that's so crucial for their upbringing from the time they get here until they're grown and out the house. And even when they're grown and out the house, I'm you. You're still praying. Right. It's that protection. It's fortifying them. It's giving them the strength. It's giving them the wisdom. All the things that they will need, as you say, the tools to live this life. And so prayer is key for a mother to always implement and show for her children and show her children this is where I'm at. And I love it when my daughter says <clears throat> to her friends, oh, let me get my mom. She'll pray. She'll pray for uh-huh, the situation. Uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. And I love it. And I'd be saying, girl, don't be praying me all day. She said, no, mommy, but when you pray, blah, blah, blah. But that's a good thing. <laughs> and Listen, we go through, we're going through something, but we need prayer. Come on. And, you know, right. and I'm seeing, right. learning more and more. Okay, I got to pray. About, I'm praying about this. And this is what happens when a mom leads the charge of doing that with her children. Right. And you spend so much time with your children. So when you're, you're showing them, this is how mommy survives. This is how right. this house is surviving. We're praying, right. baby. We're praying. It will set their right. home, and they will be able to make it in this world because this world is wicked. They, this generations, they don't even understand and know what the prayer is. So, right. That's right. That's right. It's a critical state. So we have to be like our grandmamas and mamas, great-grandmamas. We got to keep that tradition. That's a good tradition to keep going. Some of these mm-hmm. other traditions, I don't know. But that one, that's mandatory. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Amen. Amen, ladies. A job well done. One more week. Thank you so much for your contribution and your godly wisdom um, that you pass on from week to week. And we pray that you have a blessed day. Amen. And have you do the same. One. Love you. you. Love you, too. Thank you. Uh, we, have been be- we have been fed all morning long, and now we're going to get that, that icing that's on that cake. And uh, we're going to say good morning to our Pastor Charlene. Good morning, Pastor Charlene. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? I am well, thank you. I am well. How are you? 
I am great. I was all in the service. Amen and amen and amen. <laughs> amen, amen, and amen. <laughs> all right, Pastor Charlotte, we're talking about, you know, a godly mother. And, you know, a godly mother lives faith over fear. What are we talking about this morning? Absolutely. A godly mother does because she has faith in God that all things are possible and with God. And we know that we have, um, I was thinking when y'all was talking about the grandmother, and I wasn't raised in a church, and my, and my mom didn't, we didn't do any of that. And then I was going back to my grandmother, and it made me think that my, on Sunday morning, my grandmother didn't go to church, but on Sunday morning, she would have the gospel music on, and she would also have her vodka on the table. <laughs> but she would tell you that you needed to know God, you know. And so when the ladies were just talking, see, I, I didn't have that. And it made me think of, wow, I missed that piece of the oil and all of that. But then when I thought about it in her way, she would, she would tell me about having faith. She would tell me about, you know, that um, don't be scared of anything. God has you. She would tell me that even, and she's sipping. She's talking, she's drinking as gospel music is going on. So I want you to see the picture. And it goes, oh, and it goes right into what you asked me. And um and I didn't I didn't think of anything that was wrong with it because I didn't know God for myself, right? And I wasn't reading the Bible. Um and every now and then she would pull out a Bible, you know, I would see her do that. And I was like, But granny, you know, how are you talking about God and, and you got the bottle in there? He understands me. You know, that's our business, you know, and she would say that. And it made me think of the people nowadays um, of being that godly mother and and then hearing how the mothers in the church, you know, will go to the to the morning bench and, you know, and being able to encourage you and teach you about God and tell you that the only thing that you need to fear is God if you ain't doing right. If you ain't being able to do what God told you to do and hearing from God and out here being so fast, these are the things that will happen to you. So it was making me just think of the blessing of a godly mother. You know, not that it has to be your mother, but a, a spiritual mother that is in your life that is teaching you and showing you and being able to nurture you in that direction. It's and you know, and showing you how to be that young lady or that man of God, you know, as a young man growing up. And being able to say, listen here, you have nobody. As you used to say all the time, my mother said, I ain't got no friends. She said, for you, the best friend that you ever have is Jesus. You know, and we don't have that anymore. We don't have those mothers because now those mothers are trying to compete against their own kids. So we don't see that. And that's the bad part of all of this is because we don't have where the people are taking time now. I'm not saying as a whole. You do have some, but in a lot of places you go, you'd be like, where are they at? Their dresses are shorter than the, than the young girls. 
you know, and they're wearing the heels, and they're not trying to, you know, take that time out, you know, and and give you not just the nourishment in, in your spiritual life, but because there's so many people who is disconnected from their mothers, disconnected, you know, from even themselves, don't know how to raise children, you know, and they have babies, don't even know how to, to, don't know what to do with them. So that's one of the things I was thinking about as well as a godly mother. And us as women pastors, we take on that role because of the fact that they don't know what to do. They don't know, and I'm talking about people who are some are in their 70s, in their 80s, in their 50s, and we are nurturing them as well because they have missed out, you know, and whether we have to be able to be that motherly, and they tell me all the time, you're so motherly. Okay, well, that's just who I am. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's what I'm going to do. Um, and, you know, and we're that. My thing is about when we get out of line, that motherly has to correct you. And nowadays, people don't want to take the correction. People don't want to be able to repent because they think that they'll go and they say, oh, I repent, but you're constantly still sitting in that same vomit that you've been in forever. When do you want to get up out of it? That mother will stay there with you and moan with you. That mother will stay there with you and continue to coach you. That mother will stay there with you. They told me how that you would stay there and continue to call on the name of Jesus. We don't have that anymore. But I thank God for those that are. I really do. I thank God for those that are. I had a spiritual mother. She prayed for me. And I used to say, stop praying for me because you're going to make me get right. And I didn't want to get right. I wanted to stay hanging in the club. I wanted to stay over there. And I thank God before she closed her eyes that she saw that I became that preacher and her prayers that she used to put up for me. And she prayed real hard for me, really hard for me. And I knew that she went went with a smile and she was so grateful to God. And she said, I thank the Lord for you because you were the last one that I had been really praying for before God took me home. And right after I became a preacher, she didn't see me become a pastor, but she saw me become a preacher. And when she would, and her last, the last time I saw her, she told me how proud she was. And that's what you need, somebody to push you and to continue to push you and continue to push you and where that you have that and being able to stay in Christ. And she said, never let his hand go. And I remember those were her last words. She said, never let his hand go. No matter how hard it gets, no matter what you go up against, never let his hand go. And if somebody can just tell others, never let his hand go, how far that you can come, because those words will always ring in your ear. In any situation you in, any darkness, or any hole that you fall in, never let his hand go. And that Amen. way that we'll be able to continue and being able to help the next one to go forward. I I got taught and I teach someone else and they teach someone else. And that's Amen. what we have to Amen. be. And it's not an age on it. A godly mother doesn't have an age. God bless you. Amen. 
Amen, amen, amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Charlene, for that Faith Over Fear segment, and we pray and thank God for your life as you have been an example to us, and we pray you have a blessed day. You all do the same, and y'all have all been a blessing to me as well. Amen, amen, amen. All right, let's get that benediction Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. To him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Amen. Revelation five twelve and 13. Oh, my goodness gracious, what a ministry that was going on here today. You know, when, uh, you know, when we're on here and we're ministering every day, you know, I give God thanks because, you know, I, I think of, you know, what example I've been to my children or times when I may not have been an example, and I look at you know the um the uh the component that we talked about um about that unswerving um, integrity that we need to have as a parent, and you know we laugh all the time here because you know <laughs> they talk about how cheap I am, they talk about how. You know, I'm always after them for lights and water and things like that. I'm like, hey, I pay for that. You know, so you can't be burning lights because it ain't free. You can't be just running water. It ain't free. You know, and they always talk about, my, you're just so cheap. And, you know, I buy Dr. Thunder instead of Dr. Pepper. And, you know, um, you know, I say to them all the time, hey, you ain't never been hungry. <laughs> Some pennies that I saved, you ain't never been hungry. And you think about the practical way of living. You think about the practical things of life. You think about the, the, the things that you do that you don't budge from. You know, that integrity that says, you know, I'm I'm going to buy Dr. Thunder instead of going to my girlfriend who's at the register and ask her, you know, pretend like, you know, you sliding something over, you know, because you say, well, God, I can pretend like I can, you know, I'm sliding it over, but it really won't register. You ain't got to pay for it. You remember they used to do stuff like that? You know, you think about how you just have to make sure that your integrity is just uns- just unswerving because there's so many reasons why you can just budge and, and and move and shift and shake and rock and, and 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 every time you look you just a little further and a little further and a little further over that line. And you really have to let your children see I'm not budging from this. Whatever it is, whatever we need to do to stay right in the Lord, we may have some hard times. We may not, you know, be able to, to splurge at times, we may not be able to always go on vacation, but at the end of the day, we're not budging 
from what God says we need to do or we not, we need not to do. To the degree of, you know, every time Shantisha's friend, you know, she told me, he's like, wait, what else did y'all, what, what else did Miss Stephanie do in that house? You know, it, it's, it's, you know, and we laugh about it all the time. You know, it's, well, she, what, what is that? Again, something else, and you think about the fact that you just stayed in the Lord. And look at what God is doing when you stayed in the Lord. You didn't budge all the people that did what they did and how they manipulated the system and how they made it work. And, you know, it's funny, uh, uh, my youngest called me yesterday and said, Ma, you know, when I had to pay half, um, like a half price for lunch, why did I have to pay half price for lunch? And I said, because my income wasn't low enough, and I had to pay, you know, part of your, your lunch. And she said, I don't know where told her, who told her it was half, because I don't ever remember paying half. I always had to pay whole, but I just played the game with her. And she said, well, what was, like, what was the lowest or what was something like that? Like, you know, in other words, how could I get to where I didn't have to pay anything? And I said to her, I said, well, I wouldn't know. Because from the time we moved out here, even with a home and two children, the 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 the, lunch, the, the lady in the, in the office was like, this income is too high for your kids to get free lunch. I'm like, what? And I have a mortgage and 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 water and 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 gas and light and too much. And when I hung up, I said to myself, I said, I wonder if it's somebody who's trying to figure out num- the numbers to put on an application so that they can get over. And she, you know, I, I didn't think, you know, I didn't think much further than that. But the, the, the thought crossed my mind, and I said to myself, "Look at God. They ate, she ate, and nobody was ever hungry. But I never was eligible for anything, no matter what my responsibilities were. But God always saw to it that they never." lacked for anything and it was because I made sure my ties was in that plate I made sure I did what I was supposed to do for God and he took care of everything else and when you think of just standing your ground for the Lord and how that comes back to be a blessing for you I am so grateful that that's the kind of mother God had me to be in front of my children. All these things we talked about today were examples that we were laying or we are laying for our children. So make sure you're always living a godly life because you won't go wrong. You won't go wrong. You've been listening to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit. As you go through your day, be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. 
It's Pastor Steph signing off, and I want to thank my due time crew, the ladies, for always coming through big time. Thank you for hanging out with us. Please do not miss this opportunity to give your life to Christ right now. Please do not miss this opportunity to strengthen your relationship with the Lord right now because later is not promised to any of us. Until tomorrow, God spares, where is Therapeutic Thursday? Until then, I love you.